maybe about a month been talking about Russia is going to invade Ukraine. Yeah. So there's a you need to look at all that. Then there's one other item, and I wonder where it comes at this time. Do you remember the massive increase in gas prices? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Did that follow the nixing of Nord Stream or precede it? It followed it. Followed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it definitely. Then, you know, it had an effect on it. The, 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 the statement by the Germans that they would not put uh, Nord Stream online was uh, had a had a direct a market a, a direct impact on on the price of gas because it provides. It's insecurity, instability. Obviously, we're not sure about supplies to Europe and stuff, and uh, and therefore scarcity, potential scarcity, drives the price up, right? Um, and of course, they're trying to drive the price up in a certain sense because, um, specifically, of maybe that particular type of gas, because America supplies liquefied natural gas rather than the type of gas that Russia provides, which is more easily produced and delivered, and more cheaply. More importantly, more cheaply produced and delivered to Europe, and it's ready to use at ready the point of sale, rather yeah. than liquefied natural gas, which is predominantly what America produces in terms of gas. And it has to, if it's going to deliver to anybody, it has to ship it overseas. Right? If it's going to export it, it has to come across the Atlantic on boats. You see those big tankers with the big kind of round domes on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the problem and the problem with US LNG liquefied natural gas is that it's significantly more expensive than the, rash, the gas that Russia. Um, Produces so if you can drive up the cost of Russian gas, then it makes it more uh, attractive. palatable, attractive yeah. to European nations to buy to switch to buying American gas or gas from any of America's partners, like for example Qatar. Uh, and actually, if you just throw up the Al Jazeera article, this is, ties into um, what I'm saying here, and this is just fairly recent. Um, U.S. are in talks as of, this is 22nd January, so yesterday. The U.S. are in talks with Qatar over supplying LNG to EU. And the sources say U.S. move comes after Russia, largest provider of energy to the EU, mass troops to the Ukrainian border. So the whole Which point is interesting is, because they explicitly link the two right, issues. Right, of course. And right. Yeah, and the point here is to, to, to cut Euro, Russia off from Europe as an energy supplier. And in that way... Um, you know, deal a fairly significant economic blow to Russia and try and secure Europe uh, for uh, bolster uh, European, let's say, allegiance or you know, ideological allegiance to, and 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 economic uh, allegiance to, and political allegiance to America, because there, the Americans are f- afraid of Russia slipping or of Europe slipping eastwards. Let's Into say, the loving embrace of, of Mother Russia, of right. the Big Bear. Getting a big bear hug from Russia, and uh, it's a deadly bear hug. It'll kill you. It'll uh, kill you. So um, be trapped forever. Yeah, and they've been they've been concerned about this for a long time, obviously, yeah. and uh, it's a, it's one of the overarching fears and concerns in the U.S. State Department, regardless of which administration is is, is in in place, because we see actually uh, one thing that they're unified on in in Washington among on both sides of the aisle is that Russia is evil, and everybody has to do something about Russia, right? So, because America's uh, strategic interests are, are at stake. <clears throat> Attempt to connect ideology with economics. And that was when he was touting the beautiful freedom gas, the molecules of freedom that yeah, Texas yeah. is going to ship to Europe. Right, yeah, yeah. Don't mind that Nord Stream 2. That's just Russian. They don't want that stuff. That's not free. It doesn't have freedom, of freedom gas, in yeah. it. <laughs> And we laughed at it, but he was articulating poorly what they're trying to actually convince European governments of. Mm -hmm. You know, ours is better. Well, I know it's more expensive at the moment, but it has a better feel to it. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. it'll burn your homes with more, you know, freedom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Now, that comes with a side of freedom fries as well, of freedom gas, freedom molecules. Um, there's a, there's a, just to give you an idea of just how irrational or where their thinking is, where the U.S. is thinking is, as far as Russia goes, and in, in terms of um, their attitude, the attitude they they have and they want to convey about Russia. If you just throw up the the Twitter um, link or two, um, it's um, Sedant. Sedant, I think, is the is the name of the 
Twitter. You sent me a link. Sit yeah. Didn't I? No. You did get us. Yeah, you did, yeah. So this, this guy is um, is a German chief of the Navy. He was This video was just from a few days ago in India, where he was there for some other reason, talking to some Indian dudes uh, from the Indian government, and he somebody recorded it and, and released it, so he was kind of... He was... Uh, I don't think it was... I don't... Maybe... Who knows? I don't know if it was... I, so it's a repetitious... Uh, yeah, he didn't d- deliberately know. done up. I suppose not. No, and he's just he's just commenting on 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 the rush situation. Uh, obviously, as a side, and as an as an aside to whatever else he was talking about, maybe or maybe that was part part of the reason he's in India. I don't know the details, but anyway, it's important to to, to listen to what he's saying here in terms of uh, the attitude of the West towards Russia. Please come up, ladies and gentlemen. What is my 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 minister asked me? What do you think I? What Russia really wants, and I had it this, uh, just uh, on the other side of the street. Russia, is Russia really interested in having a small, tiny strip of Ukraine, Ukraine soil? Integrated in their, their country? No, this is nonsense. I think Putin is probably putting pressure on that because he can do it. And he knows that if he splits, he splits the European Union. But what he really wants is respect. He wants, on, on eye level, he wants respect. And my God, Giving someone respect is low cost, even no cost. So if I was asked, I'm asked, I was asked, um, it is easy to even give him the respect he, he really demands and probably also deserves. Russia is an old country. Russia is an important country. Even we, India, Germany, we need Russia. Because we need Russia against China. Uh, probably from your perspective, but from my, my perspective, I'm a, I'm a really radical Roman Catholic. Um, I'm only a God and I'm believing in Christianity. And there we have a Christian country, even the Putin is, is in ethics, but it doesn't matter. I think having this this big country, this big country, even if it's not a democracy at our side, as a, a bilateral partner, giving them a chance with the EU and also the United States of America, have not on on high on, on high level, same high level. It is easy, it's an easy world. And it keeps us probably uh, Russia away from, from China because China needs the resources of Russia. And they're willing to give them because our sanctions sometimes are do going the wrong way. But this is foreign policy. This is made by politicians. Um, I of course we cannot agree uh, on He's breaking up. Is that the original recording that's breaking up or no, it must be our, our connection? Just pause it there. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, well, yeah. He, it's near the end, but he actually... Do you play it, play it now, does he? No. Anyway, uh, he basically just ends there by saying, and Crimea, forget about Crimea. Crimea's gone. It's not coming back. Oh, yes. Uh, Sorry, that so it, that, that audio was very choppy, right? I don't think that was filmed... No, it was on a phone or something. It was meant to, yeah. <clears throat> a phone, or you notice how still it was. I wonder if it was just simply like something that was in the room, like a laptop or webcam that mm. was turned on mm-hmm. remotely. Mm-hmm. I bet somebody leaked that. He was he would not have said that if he knew that was going to go. Probably public. not. No, he's speaking confidentially. Yeah. Um, um, so um, if anyone missed, the gist of it was basically, look, um, Putin. He one of the first things that Putin deserves respect. Mm. Okay. That's a no-no. From the head of the German Navy, you can't be saying that, right? Yeah. Everyone's on board. You're, they're all saying all kinds of things behind closed doors, which he thought that was, I yeah. think. He said that. He also says, and at the end, we missed it, but he says at the end, forget about the Crimean Peninsula. It's not coming back. Yeah. It's Russian. Mm-hmm. That's also an absolute no-no. Apparently, what happened then, subsequent to these comments being leaked, he, he had, resigned well, he his was, position as he, head of the Admiralty after the Ukrainian Foreign Ministry went ballistic. He was and said, fired, basically. He was fired. Yeah, fired for saying that. So imagine, imagine someone like the head of the German Navy saying, "I mean, the German Navy, I suppose." Yeah, German is Germany. No, it's not a landlocked country. Uh, the German Navy saying um, that you know Putin just wants some respect, and he's not been given the respect that he deserves, and uh, and this whole situation could probably be solved if. The West was to show some respect 
uh, with respect to the reserves to Putin. And, uh, and something and for else that, he said, and, we need Russia against yeah, China. And we need Russia against China. And he gets fired for that. Lavrov and, and other Russian politicians who have to deal with the Americans is that these people are like, they vary between calling them like they're, like they're insane or they're like children. It's like trying to explain things to a child. Yeah. Uh, they don't seem to understand. Uh, so that's, that's the attitude. And of course, Putin's not allowed to have any respect because of what I mentioned previously at the beginning of this little segment here that uh, in, by Western governments and Western media, Putin, in particular, you know, the person, uh, has been portrayed repeatedly with, supposedly with good evidence, most of which is bogus, uh, uh, portrayed as, a, as an evil madman, as a dictator, as a ruthless, someone uh, as a ruthless assassin, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, well, obviously you can't give any respect to someone like that, right? So what this guy said is just, is, is crazy talk, you know? But of course, that's, that's not how it... There was they, a, they know, you know. They know. The There's a super interesting headline. It's just a headline, so I won't bother sharing this, but people can look this up. Politico.eu. This was published before the German admiral's comments were released. The headline is Germany's Pivot from America. Uh, subheading, to outward appearances, Berlin is far from AWOL on Ukraine, i.e. it's with NATO and the US, 100% all the way. The subheading ends, but when the cameras are turned off, Germany's tone changes, Right, which is what we just saw. He thought the cameras were off, so mm. he said what he really thinks. Mm-hmm. So that's the – it's very interesting because it's been wall-to-wall. Russia's going to invade Ukraine. Mm. All NATO is behind this. Europe and America together were against – but there is no NATO unity here. Um, probably highlighted this week by the fact that Germany blocked the transit – of at least some weapons, German mm. weapons, as it turns out, mm-hmm. being shipped from the U.S. and Britain mm-hmm. to Ukraine, they blocked its access over German airspace. Well, that didn't stop a crapload more coming oh, yeah, from. It's from, still pouring from in. <clears throat> Meanwhile, there's British um, Ministry of Defence representatives proudly showing on uh, showing off on Twitter. Maybe I'll show this one. Uh, time lapse of flight tracking radar showing all the British shipments. Of weapons into Ukraine in the last just in the last few days, I think. Let's see if we can pull this one up. I've just sent it to you there. This is by it's a tweet from George Allison. Who knows who he is? Self-described journalist, cybersecurity graduate. Whatever. Play it there. Is it gonna play? Why is there not uh, yet? There no. No, no audio. No, there is none, no. Those are all the flights going in and out of Flights from London. Look how they're going over Germany. They got permission to fly across Denmark, apparently. <clears throat> this is um, flight tracking radar showing British military craft flying back and forth to from uh, somewhere in central England probably down there near Salisbury to Kiev from the 17th to the, to the 19th. So just two days worth of weapons dumps. They have some nerve doing it right under... Uh, Russia sees all this, of course. I mean, the, if the British are proudly boasting their headlines, this isn't just, you know, <clears throat> some guy who's, you know, an insider sharing, you know, leaking information. British headlines the last few days have been full of stories about how we're sending troops to Ukraine, more advisors to train Ukraine's military, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, the latest from Britain is just today, in fact. Did you see that one? Um, British Foreign Office accused Russia of plotting to overthrow the government in Kiev yeah. with a puppet regime. Yeah, well, they made the, that a, a claim a few days ago as well. Or, uh, I think the U.S. made it or something. It's been in. It's been in the. It's been on the vine basically for, for a few days, accusing you know the identify. They already sanctioned some. They have some guy under house arrest, uh, a kind of pro-Russian. He's probably for relatively moderate, but he's a politician in Ukraine. They have him under house arrest because, because uh, they ID'd him as a possible coup plotter. Right. I mean, they're yes. just taking preemptive action to anybody who, uh, in this scenario where where Russia invades in some way Ukraine and then tries to, you know, you know, causes the Ukrainian, current Ukrainian kind of uh, joke government to fall, which wouldn't be hard probably, and then set up a, a, you know, a friendly 
government, uh, yeah. Russia-friendly government. Ukraine. They have some nerve accusing Russia of wanting to do what they did. What they do all the time. In what they did in 2014. What they did, attempted in 2004, and what they did successfully in 2014. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing about all of this is that um, and there's a lot of troop movements. It's, it's interesting to try and get a, a read on what's actually going on in terms of Russian thinking, what Russia intends, what, what their problem is. I mean, we haven't really fleshed that out properly, I don't think. We're just commenting on stuff. But um, what, the, what the problem with is, the problem, and we've, we have said it before, the problem, with, the problem for Russia or America's problem with Russia is that Russia is a geopolitical adversary and ad, it's, an, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an adversary in the sense that it will not, it's not content, Russia is not content to sit back and have... Um, America dominate the world, which, at least in Russia's case and also China's case, means uh, you know significant restrictions on the freedom of Russia and China to do what they're entitled to do in the world, which is you know in many different areas, but to do business, to to engage themselves in in their backyard, to do business with to, people in to their police their, situations, to police situations, like in Syria in, or, or in Kazakhstan recently, yeah, or 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 to, and to do business in whatever way they they're able to do it, you know, fairly, you know, uh, to to exploit the natural resources that Russia has, uh, whatever whatever Russia has to offer to the world, it, it wants to be able to do that. And uh, unfortunately, the way the world is set up and the way it has been set up, you know, going back obviously decades to First Second World War, uh, America rules supreme and Russia is by definition therefore a threat because it doesn't want to fall in line with American, the American vision of a unipolar world where America sits top, on top. Uh, and that's the essence of, of the problem and has been. That was the essence of the problem, I suppose, with... I don't want to draw too many comparisons because they're not really relevant, but with uh, during the Cold War, it uh, was about spheres of influence and pushing, pushing the Soviets back, and that just carried on with modern-day Russia. Uh, they used the same playbook, basically. They, when the Soviet Union fell, uh, okay, Russia lost quite a bit of territory, but it maintained... You know, it's primary landmass and most of its resources, and um, so the threat didn't change. Nothing changed between uh, the, the first Cold War and now the second Cold War that we're in. Nothing from the American point of view. Russia is still the same threat it was then. Then they had the veneer of ideology of communism. We're pushing back against communism. We're fighting communism. Now they don't have that, so they have to say that Putin's a dictator and he wants to take over the world and blah blah blah. He wants to recreate. They keep saying he wants to recreate the Soviet Union. And they just they, they stop short of saying, and he wants to uh, uh, he wants to recreate communism as well. You know, what mm -hmm. I mean, they'd love it to go back to the to, yeah. to the first Cold War because then they'd have a veneer of ideological, uh, but as ideological differences. But as it is, it's it is ideological differences, but it's not um, communism versus capitalism. It's unipolar world versus yeah. multipolar world. Russia isn't offering an alternative system. No. It's saying, we, ac we accept the basic rules of business. Right. Let's do business. Right. And that's, how do you get behind, how do you outflank that yeah. ideologically? You can't accept demonize. dirty tactics. Yeah. You demonize the person, call them, make them a pariah if you can, a global pariah. And so, faced with this, so obviously Russia sees that, knows that that's been the case, knows that uh, the U.S., in particular, wants to take it down a peg or two. Russians obviously naturally are not inclined. The Russian government is not inclined to just go along with that. They don't think it's fair. It's not fair. Um, and part of them, part of taking Russia down, uh, the U.S.'s strategy to do that is obviously economic, primarily economic. It's been, it's been uh, information, information war, like we mentioned over the past x number of years. They've tried to demonize. Putin and Russia in general and cut them off from as many places as they can cut them off from yeah. on, on that basis. But also they're being more direct now with, uh, with Nord Stream 2. That's, that's like yeah. too far for America that, that Russia might have more influence over Europe because of uh, the, the energy dependence of Russia, of, of Europe on Russia. And um, so, so the Russians know this and know that America's out to get them basically, you know, and they're not sure they they weren't, you know, they weren't one hundred percent sure how far they're willing to go, but they had the they had the the measure of of the Americans for quite a long time, and in order to protect themselves, um, like we've said in previous shows, that because it, there, America does pose potentially a military threat, that's why Russia has built up their military over the past twenty years to a fairly high degree, where it can there's a kind of stalemate, 
uh, because they knew that America would use that, use its its military prowess as as leverage as a threat to Russia to fall in line. So Russia pushed back by developing its own military prowess to to equalize that out. And um, but America still is uh, a military threat to Russia. Um, the expansion of NATO is the expansion of America towards Russia's borders. When you see that you've got an enemy who really doesn't like you for no good reason other than they don't like you because you're a competitor and that you're not sure they're, they're kind of crazy and, you know, they have a history of going in and attacking countries and bombing them and blowing them up and starting wars in different places, then you've got to be wary of that country and you'd like to have a kind of buffer zone around the, your borders so that that enemy couldn't advance right up to your border because who knows the hell what they do. Mm-hmm. And Ukraine... Belarus is one buffer zone that remains intact, but Ukraine fell, like you said, in 2014 to the West under an organised coup in 2014 by Victoria Nuland, almost single-handedly. Um, and Ukraine was turned into a kind of neo-fascist, neo-Nazi, ultra-nationalist uh, kind of state, at least in terms of the governing party and the governing, uh, the, the minds or the, the attitudes of the people within the government, and very anti-Russian. So Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine went from a fairly moderate, you know, reasonably friendly towards Russia state because it's right on its border, does a lot of trade, has a lot of history together, into a very antagonistic anti-Russian government and, in yeah. theory, state which right com- on its border. Which completely then be- unbalanced the country because it had been relatively balanced since independence yeah. in 1991 because its, its political makeup is roughly half pro-Russian half pro-West. Right. It's, it's a split down the middle. So right. when you take an extreme of one half right. and say, we're in charge now, of course the country is going to end up having breakaway republics, yeah. uh, yeah, war, sure. civil war. It's a state of yeah. civil war. Yeah, so in 2014, they, they, they had the coup. And the, the main point of the coup, obviously, was, like we said, to turn Ukraine into a very pro-West, anti-Russian uh, government that would do whatever the West wanted it to do in order to antagonize Russia. But the other primary objective was to take Crimea, which is uh, away from Russia, and specifically Russia's uh, Black Sea Fleet naval base in Sevastopol in Crimea. They wanted part of that planning in 2014 was to deny Russia access to to its naval base there, which it had rented from Ukraine on a 25-year lease. They were going to nix that contract and say, bye-bye, you don't have any more access to your naval base in Crimea, and therefore you have no more access for the Russian Navy to the Mediterranean, except by going all the way around the world, right? Um, so Russia responded to that, knew that that was a big part of the plan in, in the coup in 2014, and they responded to it by basically taking uh, Crimea. Now, Crimea is all, you know, overwhelmingly Russian and pro-Russian, so it was no problem to take it. There was no resistance, except from the Ukrainian government. And they also then took the... Not took, but they facilitated people in, right on Russia's, in the east of Ukraine on Russia's border who are, again are overwhelmingly Russian and speak Russian and pro-Russian feel like they're Russian they declared these uh, un- unrecognised uh, people's republics of Luhansk and, and Donetsk and that's where the fighting has been going on since then with the Ukrainian government and the neo-Nazi types trying to take that back <clears throat> and that ostensibly came to a stalemate in yeah. itself with the Minsk Accords right that everyone agreed, right. West and Russia together, to at least adhere to. But in practice, since then, it's just no, the, degenerated, degenerated. Yeah, and there was no like, there was no motivation for it either in Ukraine or within the US. The US and, and the West had no interest in in adhering to the Minsk Protocols, which was basically would have allowed for a level of independence or more or less independence for those two regions, Donetsk and Luhansk, and becoming maybe eventually part of Russia in some way or other, or more or less and everything but name part of Russia. There's no way the Ukrainian government is going to take that. They want Crimea back. They want those two regions back. And um, so the Minsk Protocol, the Minsk Agreements were never adhered to and there was no motivation in the US to encourage Ukrainians to adhere to to it, i.e. stop bombing Donetsk. Not in practice, but in theory, the US leaned on Kiev and got them to sign the damn things. They did officially agree to Initially, yeah. Washington and Kiev yeah. and Berlin and but, Paris. You know, but the reason they did that was because they had no ability at that time and there was right. no will in the West, <laughs> certainly not in Europe and, and not in America either, to do anything about militarily about getting those two uh, regions back. But Since in the past then, seven years, what America has been doing, primarily America has been doing, has been uh, training and upgrading the Ukrainian military into a force that is potentially well, much more likely and much more able to take those two regions back and possibly even take Crimea back. 
And Russia's in a bind in that situation because, you know, everybody knows that it illegally annexed Crimea. So any, any move by Crimea or by Ukraine to take back Crimea would be totally justified. And if American can help them to do that with weapons and training and all that kind of stuff, and even American personnel, uh, then that's all fair, right? But in that situation, what does Russia do? Does it fight? Does it start a war over Crimea? So the, the, big, the big problem here all along since 2014, and the reason the Minsk agreements were signed by, the, by Ukraine and by the US effectively, is because they did not have a military option to right. retake Crimea. And, and there was a risk Minsk. of Donetsk and Luhansk spreading to Mariupol and further along yeah. so you just, and taking more of Ukraine. You just pause for a minute until yeah. we get our act together here. Which is very much a tactic we saw over and over in Syria. How many ceasefires were called yeah. so that ISIS... Could regroup. Al-Qaeda, Al-Nusra could regroup, re-arm. re-attack, rearm. Yeah. So that's, that's where you think that the big story is there. And now we're at a situation where they, as you put it in December, you were worried that there's some kind of supreme confidence that's overcome Western and Ukrainian attitudes towards yeah. Crimea and the Donbass. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that in turn was alarming Putin. Yeah, and that's sure. why he called for emergency yeah, talks. Because they were planning, at least at first, take back, uh, to invade the Ukrainian army with the help of America, obviously trained, armed, funded, whatever. We're going to take back, try and take back Donetsk and Luhansk and try and draw America in, or try and draw Russia into, you know, defending those, that population. Uh, now, of course, there would have been a lot of death as a result of that and Russia again would have been put in a bind. They saw this, this, this is where it was going. And they also saw the Nord Stream 2, uh, Nord Stream 2 right. thing happening where America was basically putting pressure on Germany to stop Nord Stream 2 and hit, econo- hit Russia Successfully economically. Successfully for now. Yeah. So Russia's not happy about it. They see an end game coming up. These people are, go- are going for broke. We need to do something about it. Either way, we're kind of, we're damned if we do and damned if we don't in a certain sense. They're going to force our hand. They're trying to force our hand. How do we get out of a situation where they're trying to force our hand? Well, in that situation, the only thing you can do is do what Russia has done, which is put on a big show of amassing troops uh, around Ukraine on three sides, effectively, um, and, and to try, not necessarily to invade, but to show, listen, we're not going to, we're not taking, we're not, we're not, we're not happy with where this is going. We know where you're going. We can see where you're going. We're not taking it. We're not just going to sit back and take it. We're not going to be baited into this bullshit by you. And you've left us no option but to try and show you how serious we are. As Putin says, we have nowhere left to retreat. Yeah, how serious we are about, about pushing back against what you're trying to do, that it's not, it's unjustified and you shouldn't do it, you can't do it, it's not fair. Um, so, uh, and hopefully, I mean, I think initially their plan, it's obviously, there's no definite concrete plan, let's, let's say, but because no, people shouldn't think that <clears throat> just because they're amassing all these troops and equipment, along Ukraine's border, that that's a plan of invasion. The first step is to do that and then negotiate. Yes, to, which is to, what to, we've to seen. Try and primarily yes. try to try and put, put pressure on Europe. Yes, Cause which is what Amer- the admiral, we heard, we heard him talk right. about that. Right, because they know that Putin there's some... trying to split Europe right, right. Some, Well, he's not trying to split Europe. He's trying to appeal to some sane yeah. minds yeah. in Europe to get them to stop aligning with the US in this crazy madcap scheme to try and, you know... Use neo-Nazis to overtake Ukraine. Yeah, to take, and to, to bait Russia into to a war and put it in a bind. And, and he's, so he's, he's... The Russian government is showing that, look, we're not just going to roll over and take this. And, you know, maybe we might invade. Here's what we can do if we need to. We don't want to do it because it wouldn't be good for anybody. But here's what we can do. Now that you've seen what we can do, i.e. amassing all these troops and showing what we could do, um, can we talk? Right. So there's no point in going talking without having done that. You do that first and then you go and try and talk. And of course, they've tried to talk several times over the past couple of months, repeated meetings with, with the US and some with, with, with the Europeans. Um, but they realize that, you know, uh, there's probably back channel stuff going on with the Europeans that isn't public. Yeah. But Shoy the overt was, one is Shoy America. was in London. Yeah. But the overt one, the overt talks are with America. And they know that there's not much they can... There has to be a two-track method there where you're, we're dealing with America publicly and it's in all the papers and it's talked about. And there's, there's a, You're creating an atmosphere of dialogue yeah. and hoping that America will 
you know, you put it in the limelight enough where it'll have to kind of like pretend to be a nice guy, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pretend to oh, do well, the right Anthony thing. Blinken with Lavrov. I mean, Lavrov is the kind of gent who forces everyone around him to be a gentleman. Right. So Blinken sounded very diplomatic yeah, yeah. after meeting him in Vienna or wherever last week. Yeah. So um, I think that's what's going on behind the scenes. Of course, it could, things can go wrong at any point, you know, in this whole process. Some there can be a fifth, uh, uh, kind of fifth column, or a, you know, yeah, a device, a divisory uh, element in there that might go behind the U.S. government. Any, yeah, beyond any oversight or beyond any, you know, um, any approval would do something that would try and provoke a situation, almost in a in a, in a reckless, screw it, you know we don't care type attitude let, let's just have it out basically you know yeah with no consideration for the people or, or the entire and or with a view to um making real the threat that biden articulated <laughs> namely severing basically full financial siege of russia by kicking right. it out of the swift system right. inability to trade certainly with the west um that would be a bombshell i mean it's it's and it's you know it's well understood um by the Europeans, the kind of con- the Americans themselves understand the consequences. We reported on their SWIFT scheme to financially strangle Russia, and they acknowledge there's going to be a lot of push blowback, even yeah. for us in America. But we you know we can weather it. Well, it's the same as you know the, the America during the Second World War, and to a certain extent, the First World War was happy to have a war on the European continent, you know, because they're three thousand miles across the Atlantic Ocean. You know, uh, they can all suffer and die and, and have their towns and cities destroyed but over in America we'll all be kicking it up and, and, and you know essentially immune for it it's the same well, attitude basically well, exactly the same attitude exactly the same mentality of it's okay to have a war in European landmass from the American point of view why? because there's 3,000 uh, miles of ocean between us yeah and heck if if it means reverting Europe back to the situation at the end of if it means erasing the chessboard back to 1945 yeah, yeah. well we were left standing. Everywhere else was a wasteland. And then we just used a Marshall Plan and rebuilt Europe. Yeah, and, Let's just and, go back to and basics. Took, and took over, yeah. Can you pull up that article I sent you? Because I think this this is the German opposition, the new opposition leader. He just laid out exactly what you said on either the last show or the one before that. Mm. Headline, German conservative leader warns against Russian swift suspension. That's you know the financial stranglehold plan they have for Russia. The first four paragraphs say it all. The incoming leader of Germany's conservative CDU, Friedrich Merz, has warned against suspending Russia from the international banking payment system as a potential punishment for any Russian attack of Ukraine. He said calling SWIFT into question could be an atomic bomb for the capital markets and also for goods and services. We should leave SWIFT untouched. I would see massive economic setbacks for our own European economies if something like that happens. It would hit Russia, but we would be damaging ourselves considerably, he warned. For global trade, yeah. Uh, He says the the suspension of Moscow would basically break the back of the international payment traffic. We're talking here the Samson option Mm -hmm. of world finance. And the US has explicitly threatened it. Now, psychos, psychos off the leash, basically, is, yeah. is what you're dealing with. And, and, and the thing is, the Russians know it. They know it very well. They, and all they can do now is like, you know, if you've got to... Stand you, up to well, the psycho and try to ice well, well, no, well, Like you said to me earlier this week. Well, maybe, but... Uh, yeah, to, to, Who's the bigger psycho? To, well, Not to, that the Russians, the, the psycho well, they in do, it. They but, do they have a, multiple, to a, couple, a few different tracks to it, you know. Uh, I mean... What you do with America is like I was saying there a few minutes ago is you pull them into the limelight. You know, if you've got a, like a crazy person who has a veneer of, uh, uh, has a reputation for being a, a reasonable person, but in private in the back room, they're going ape shit at you and they're screaming right. and frothing at the mouth and, 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 and going crazy uh, and they might kill you. They're threatening to kill you. What you do is you kind of get people in or you pull them out into the street and say, hey, listen, let's talk about this outside in front of everybody. And the, <coughs> the person who's just frothing at the mouth goes, yes. Um, and you get them to say Say things, what they mean say, and to do what they say. Yeah. Well, to some extent. To, you get them to, to live up to their supposed reputation of being all for freedom and democracy and, and, and the, rule of, the rule of law, right? And the world's policeman. Interna- well, not the world's policeman, but the international law and the rule of, you know, the rule of law, basically. And there can be no sign of any kind of like 
uh, aggressive, you know, threatening, you know, I'm going to kill you kind of behavior type thing. You know, so you get them to to say stuff that is in your it's in your interest on the public stage and they know it's in their interest as well because they want to keep up their, their appearance, keep up their reputation and if you can get them to say that kind of stuff and appear that way on the international stage then at least, I don't know, you kind of stall them a little bit um, and then at the same time you're talking to other people about them, um, you know, trying to win, trying to get a, get your, kind of gather some allies, allies basically. Yeah. Which it looks like, Russia is doing yeah. from what we've heard from the opposition leader in Germany and from the German yeah. uh, admiral. Yeah, it's so, very interesting. So, so, in a sense, it's all Ukraine, but actually, it's all about Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a sure. greater geopolitical um, issue is at stake yeah. for the U.S. and or specifically for that fifth column of the yeah. imperial office that secretly rules the U.S., the so-called deep state. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Uh, the bottom line is that Russia. So Russia's it's it's a good two track method where, like I said, you you put all of your military hardware. You show what you're able to do. I mean, they've they've obviously got they've got a lot of scope to to deal with Donetsk and Luhansk. It's right on the border north. They ha- they're having war games or war military exercises, let's say, in Belarus on the Polish border with yeah, Belarus. With S-400s. And then b- below that, they're putting in S-400s and they have, they have troops uh, looking straight down at, at Ukraine and not far from Kiev. And then on the on the south side at Crimea, they, uh, they're having some um, naval exercises in the Mediterranean around the same time that NATO is having some naval exercises in the Mediterranean. Right. And there's several ships that came from the Baltic, uh, from from the their, their northern northern fleet that sailed trying past the UK and down into the Mediterranean are are en route right now, and they're joining in there for some uh, naval exercises. And there's boats that came from or ships that came from Crimea, from the Black Sea Fleet in Crimea, to join those. But the ones that are coming from the, the Baltic are coming at this time, or from the northern fleet are coming at this time, um, <clears throat> so that when those games are over and they can take for however long they need them to take uh, and they can be stopped at any point in time, those extra four or five uh, ships that came from the Northern Fleet and, and, and the Baltic are uh, are available to go to the Black Sea uh, to bolster the fleet in the, in the Black Sea. So that's southern, that's off the south coast of, of Ukraine. On the east, you've got the Nest and Luhansk and a lot of troops there. And in the north, you've got um, the only border that really isn't protected is, uh, or isn't covered by the Russians is the western border. Um, so yeah, uh, if, if, and if that doesn't work, that show of force doesn't work and showing that we mean business doesn't work to, to get them to come to the table and to accept our reasonable demands. Like, forget about democracy. I mean, it's so hypocritical for the the Western, especially the US and, and Western politicians to be talking and uh, be saying that it's outrageous for Russia to, to to demand that Ukraine never becomes part of NATO and that, you know, uh, that America stays out of Ukraine and stuff because it's up to Ukraine to make, to decide their own... Sovereign decision. Decide their own decision. When it's they a were, puppet well, client government. When they had a coup in 2014, yeah, organized by the US. So, um, but that show of force tries to, you know, convince them that we're in business and you need to be reasonable here. You're not going to lose anything. All you're going to lose is your opportunity to, to have a go at us. And you're just going to have to deal with not getting to take us down. Uh, and seeing our heads hopefully would prevail when you see that we're willing, that we're at least showing that we're willing to take serious military action. Uh, if that doesn't work, then you have the opportunity to make good on your threats. It's not even a threat. You're making good on. You're just. You're actualizing the potential that you put in place uh, around uh, around Ukraine. So it comes down to, and it'll be ultimately be their choice after this long protracted period of discussions and all this military show of, of Russia around the borders of, of Ukraine. Uh, if the West and Europe in particular doesn't say, "Listen, okay, let's talk and let's actually hammer something out that everybody's happy with," if they don't do that, and I think continue to stonewall Russia and say, listen, and, and all those talks go nowhere, they're a waste of time, and Russia then invades Ukraine, well, Europe literally will have only itself to blame. Because it's not like it didn't have an opportunity to, to, 
to um, to resolve the issue. Yeah. It did. It yeah. was given multiple opportunities to resolve the issue. But if there, if Europe continues to listen to America and have America dictate everything that Europe does, basically vis-a-vis -vis Russia, well then Europe will suffer. Like, and that's what America. Maybe I don't know if America is planning that, but it certainly might. Certain elements of uh, the American establishment have no problem with Russia uh, with Europe suffering. It's not. It might even fit into what we spoke of when energy price rises were skyrocketing in, in the autumn. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't mind because it fits the other post-geopolitical, long-term, apocalyptic yeah. scenario of catastrophic man-made climate change, yeah, yeah. as they frame it, causing massive rolling power shortages in Europe. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's bring that in. Let's bring that in a way we control... So we don't mind if the button is pushed regarding Ukraine. Then we activate our sanctions plan against Russia. World economy goes downwards. And they probably, in their hubris, think we can manage this. Mm -hmm. Keep Europe on side and watch as economies contract 20, 30, 40%. But increasing their dependence on us increasing shipments from America to Europe of energy supplies, etc. That's where they think this is going, the grand plan. Well, that's, that's one eventuality that they wouldn't have much of a problem with, you know. Ideally, they'd like to just screw over Russia and leave everything else untouched. But if that's unlikely or if it looks like you'd be taking a big risk that you wouldn't just screw over Russia, like that guy was saying, uh, that you'd be screwing over uh, Europe in particular and the global economy, a lot there's, there's quite a few, maybe a majority of people in, in, the, in the Washington establishment who would be quite okay with that. I think they can write it out and they'll That's the question. Out, Is there, how far into pathocracy are these people? Pretty deep. Way down, way down the, way down the pipe, yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> and again, Russia knows it. And the reason Russia has taken the stances because it knows it's de dealing with the pathocracy. It knows it's dealing with effectively deranged people who a government that's gone to. beyond the pale yeah they've lost their minds the I thought there was an interesting um, anecdotal proof of that that emerged this week um, it's a long article I won't share it because I'll be scrolling forever through it people have probably heard about it by now it's a New York Times special fair play to the New York Times for doing this they relied now on leaks government, US government leaks but anyway the story was that in 2017 the U.S. bombed from the sky with the heaviest conventional bombs they have, real bunker buster type stuff, the largest dam in Syria that holds back the Euphrates and Lake Assad. Mm -hmm. That was right on the, the key battle zone over Raqqa mm -hmm. with ISIS and Russian troops and all that stuff that was going on at the time, the proxy war. They, and <laughs> it was nuts. They actually tried to blow the thing up. Um, they, they claim they just tried to first off the they denied they did it mm. it's only just emerged thanks to those leaks that indeed the US government actually did drop bombs in the sky to blow up they denied it at the time they said that's a Russian conspiracy theory only crazy people would try to blow up a major Euphrates dam and kill tens of thousands of people it would have killed hundreds or tens, tens certainly of thousands of people we're talking about a massive catastrophic flood right along the Euphrates. Um, the only reason it stayed standing was because an emergency ceasefire was called between ISIS, Syrian forces, and the Russians. ISIS agreed with the Syrians that they would bring in Russian specialists to do emergency technical repair work on the dam to stop it from flooding. Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. Oh, that wasn't enough, by the way, because... The, the dam started to overflow from the top, so water levels were rising. It just wasn't catastrophic, so it all didn't come down at once. Mm -hmm. The only way they were able to stop that from happening was because Turkey, the Turkish government, stepped in and it agreed to do dam work further up the Euphrates mm -hmm. that slows Slow the flow, the flow yeah. of the river. Yeah. So that came out just, you know, last week. Um, that is like, that is beyond the pale. That, should, they should specify, I should specify that in the report, and this is probably why it was kosher, it was okay for the New York Times to report on this, there was plausible deniability. Uh, at the time, obviously, it's the Trump regime Trump administration. Uh, the Biden regime, the Trump administration, let's get our <coughs> terms correct, um, didn't know about it. They actually didn't know about it. And what emerged in the leak 
was that someone went behind and no one knows where that chain of command leads to. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is deep state type stuff mm-hmm. to get the okay on it. And that there was a special operations unit. I forget the name. It's mentioned in the report that went ahead and did it. And that the reason these uh, government insiders, Pentagon, whoever they were, that agreed to speak to the Times because they were so like – it was an eye-opener for them. It was This is Pentagon people learning in the course of their real-time daily jobs – that something else. is out of control in our government. Yeah. It was a shock to them. You know, mm-hmm. they hear about deep state stuff in the media and they're like, whatever, I work in the Pentagon. I know how it works. They were learning how the world works despite being career professional American military men. Mm-hmm. This is actually how it works. And they were so shocked. That's why they were prompted to go to the New York Times mm-hmm. and, and leak this. Yeah. So there's this element, like you say, it's beyond the pale of civilization. Mm-hmm. It's a mad dog. And that's why it's so difficult for Russia to... To deal with it, yeah. To deal with it, talk to it. Because it does then, it talks to Blinken at one moment, it talks to Biden at one moment, and they talk reasonably well about a happy medium. We both agree we can't do X. But there's this thing behind the scenes that goes, X, they don't want X, let's do X. Yep. Let's see what happens. Well, there's also the fact that Blinken as a Secretary of State, or the Secretary of State, yeah, goes to, um, has a meeting with Putin or with Lavrov, and then goes back, he doesn't make any decisions. He doesn't say what we can or can't do necessarily. <clears throat> the Russians ask for a set of a list of uh, uh, requests or demands or whatever, uh, and, and for the U.S. to respond, Blinken to respond. Blinken doesn't respond there and then. <clears throat> you know, you'd think that someone who of his stature would be able to go there and actually respond directly to the requests and tell him exactly whether we can give those requests or we can accede to those requests or not. But exactly. again, he listens yeah. and he goes back. And who does he go back and talk to? He has to go back and talk to someone and get approval or, or not approval or whatever uh, on, on those requests from the Russians. The foreign minister of the United States does not have... No. Well, he's going back to, the, to someone in CIA yeah. or someone in, in, in the intelligence, effectively, in some command structure that goes up there, maybe some generals involved or whatever. So he's not the... In the same way that Biden, obviously, is not the, uh, the commander-in-chief... Uh, Blinken is, is... Not the foreign minister, the it, chief no, foreign representative of the United States of America. It's just, just a ceremonial position, really, you know? Yeah. A, a kind of a, a gopher, you know? Um, I noticed on our... We don't have any chat on our show today. Is there a reason for that? Uh, what's yeah, the story? We're, we're having a bitrate problem today. Oh. It's streaming off and on. Okay. So it's choppy. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That's uh, a shame. Sorry for all you trying to... Listen and follow us. The show will, of course, be uploaded shortly elsewhere, and you'll be able to watch the whole thing. So. Yeah. So just talking about uh, the last thing, talking about um, talking about uh, U.S. There was an interest in the past week, uh, five, five, six, five days ago. Uh, it's a Yahoo uh, Money, Yahoo Money uh, article. Uh, party preference among voters swings fourteen points towards the. Republicans, Republican Party ahead of the midterms. So, in the, Biden's first first full year in office has resulted in, and it's in here. It's one of the largest that the it was a Gallup poll. The swing is among the largest that Gallup has registered since it began to measure party identification in 1991. Is that fourth paragraph there? Um, Interesting. So, um, and they say. Among the largest, but there's other places saying that is it is the largest mm-hmm. swing ever in in party in, in political affiliation. Let's yeah. say, <clears throat> I saw an party an, Anderson Cooper on CNN. They had a guy on who said we're going to get obliterated. Yeah, and you terms. wonder why that is, and you wonder if that's not a, ra- a, a a kind of writing of the of the statistics or a writing of the opinion polls uh, a year after uh, an election <laughs> that was. Are you allowed to say this? Is this, is this medical misinformation as well? An election that was probably fraudulent? Well, what you can say, what you can say is what was claimed. That the United States saw, excuse me, the Democratic Party's candidate, Joe Biden, the oldest candidate ever for the United States, the saw the largest number of votes for any party ever in the history of the country. So right. you've got to put that statistic against this statistic right, and go, they both can't be true. Yeah. Exactly. People can't. Biden just, I, I mean, did, did, was Biden's awesome, super, super awesome uh, a little over a year ago, so different than he is today, that everybody back then thought he was the awesomest president ever, and they all voted for him, and they, 
greatest numbers ever. To get rid of Trump. Just to get rid of Trump. Was that the reason? Did so many people hate Trump? Mm, that's what they said. Yeah, but that's not the... Well, we've talked about this before and people who voted for Trump against Clinton, uh, they knew everything that... All the demonization and the pre presentation of Trump and the way that he was presented uh, was already done by the time he was elected. Yeah. That summer of 2016, uh, oh, the summer of 2016, they went through it all. They called him all sorts of names as a whole kind of... That's where Russian collusion started. Right. He was demonized up the wazoo before he got elected and he still got elected and won. So the people who voted for him in the next four years, there's nothing Trump did that would have made them think that he was the worst president ever because they, they saw it all and voted for him anyway. And they probably they dis accurately or correctly disbelieved most of it and voted for him anyway. So for the next four years, there's nothing he did. In fact, his 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 four years, uh, the four years of his administration would have, at the very least, kept the same number of people that voted for him, or um, more like more most likely increased the number of people who were favourable to him, especially in the context of Biden being the alternative. So none of it fits with any rational, logical assessment of the situation. And especially now with within a year or a year after Biden's first term, it kind of, the polls, the first legitimate polls show really what the, what the voters but as Biden thought during last, as, last year's election. As Biden was at pains to point out last week, very, very clearly, very loudly, it's not who votes that counts, but who counts the vote. The gas thing is, he, I think he was thought he was saying this. He was saying this in the context of a democratic bill to make it easier to vote in the United States, i.e. to have no ID of any kind, so that newly arrived migrants, right. no voter ID. unregistered, have done that, yeah. uh, undocumented no ID. Americans can vote. But he was shouting this. He was, what he thought he was saying here was that the Republican side is basically manipulating vote counts and has been for a long time because they don't allow, they make it difficult for the segments of American society who would vote for our side, the Democratic Party, to vote. But well, that's just, he said it, but he doesn't understand what it really means. No, when he not having it, any voter ID favors the Democrats. Uh, not requiring voter ID, which yeah. is what they passed, obviously favors the Democrats. Yeah. What what non-ID carrying voters are there that are going to vote for the Republican? Historically, I mean, the Republican voters are all true blue Americans who are all, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, most immigrants are the one, the ones who wouldn't have IDs or would have, uh, uh, would be un unable to produce IDs are the ones who have been allowed into the country by Democrats. So they vote, vote Democrat. Yeah. Whatever. Doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Yeah. But we'll see. Last year was the longest U.S. presidential election count in history. Maybe this year's will be the longest congressional mid count midterm in yeah. history. You know? Yeah. We're in a new normal. Yeah. And other depressing news, um, Yemen is being bombed, uptaking the bomb, Saudi bombing of Yemen, of course, which is effectively American bombing of Yemen. Yeah. Did that drop off during the pandemic? What happened it there? Did a little bit, yeah. news it did, it yeah, it off, did a little bit, yeah, but it's ticked up again. Yeah, of course, the Houthis supposedly attacked a couple of weeks ago there, attacked, fired some kind of uh, missiles or whatever at uh, the UAE, at, at Abu Dhabi, killed a Pakistani and an Indian, I think. And they claim this is an outrage and a crime and stuff. Those people throw Pakistanis and Indians off buildings all the time, you know what I mean? Because uh, they don't work fast enough, so it's like the idea that they're, they're crying tears over a Pakistani or an Indian worker who, uh, who got killed in a Houthi the drone strike or whatever it was on right. on Abu Dhabi is ridiculous. But in response, they uh, they, they they bombed basically <clears throat> kind of like a detention. They say it's a detention facility, but it was it seems that it was like just that might have been the a center hold. of it. But it was like a whole kind of district. area district and killed over a hundred people. Uh, and uh, and of course, for people who don't know, Yemen is obviously an ongoing conflict, pretty brutal, facilitated fully by America <clears throat> and the Brits and the French. <clears throat> There's a bunch of them involved in it. Oh, yeah. And they're all, um, and the UAE, obviously, and they're all, the, the problem there is Iran, basically. They're, they're terrified of Iran. America's terrified of Iran. Israel's terrified of Iran. <clears throat> the UAE, Saudi Arabia's terrified of Iran. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, Iran probably is supporting the, the Houthis who are 
Shia Muslims in uh, in Yemen um, in a kind of proxy war in a certain sense against Saudi Arabia and the whole that Western dominated Western propped up system in the Middle East with Saudi at, at the middle of it. Uh, but they're showing you know characteristic brutality and recklessness and carelessness for human life. You know, but that's the way the empire rolls and has rolled for quite a long time. So. Um, yeah, and the Western media dutifully, dutifully <coughs> reports the atrocity, yeah, but, but just leaves it as Saudi Arabia. It doesn't yeah. mention that the bombs were British, well, the planes were American, and the people coordinating the flights back right. in the airbase were right, probably or American. American or yeah. British or French. For sure. Yeah, that's the way it works. But it's not nothing new to us. Like It's old news in a certain sense. It's been going on for all the time we've been doing this. But uh, yeah. Anything else popped up on your radar this week? On your um, I thought this was a funny story. Yeah, the Irishman. <laughs> well, there's Terrible. two. Go on. There's two stories. I have one of them. You better give it to who? D- who does this? I've sent it now across the chew. You can pull that one up. <clears throat> Imagine, it's like something out of that movie. Uh, yeah. Two suspects bring propped up dead man to post office to collect his pension. Yeah. <laughs> What's the name w- of that movie? Waking Ned Divine. Waking Ned Divine, that's it. Where the guy's dead and they find his lottery ticket. It's the winning lottery ticket. So they, they prop him up. <laughs> the whole town tries to uh, yeah. get the spoils. The so two men brought a corpse to a post office in the Irish city of Carlo. On Friday, uh, Carlo, yeah, definitely. Trying to collect his pension. <laughs> the staff immediately became alarmed and contacted the authorities. No shit. No money was handed over and it is understood that the late man is well known to those who tried to use his body. And that he would have wanted it anyway <laughs> he approved local officials expressed shock saying the de- deceased man deceased was a nice man by all accounts and someone who caused no offence to anyone well so then nobody would mind his, his friends having his pension except the state and the next one from our I Irish desk I don't have it oh, uh, tell us what it is huh? tell us what it is then uh, was it a transatlantic flight mm. So on a transatlantic flight, an Irishman was arrested and is facing 20 years in prison. Coming from America. Uh, going to America. Going to the States for, quote, pulling down his trousers and exposing his buttocks on the flight because he wouldn't wear a mask. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't know, but I would bet that drink was involved. Possibly, possibly. Apparently he was going to play football, join some kind of football training camp or something. What kind of football? I American know, football? I don't know. They just said football. But, uh, yeah. Well, it's a sign of the times, I think. He's had enough. He's like, I'll show you me face. <laughs> <laughs> Here, put a mask on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, there has to be leniency for the fact that, one, he's Irish, and two, drink was involved. Exactly. 20 years yeah. in prison is harsh. He should be acquitted. Like, well, yeah. they just say 20 years in prison. But, I mean, 20 years in prison for mooning on a plane like that's geez you don't live in a democracy anymore you know that's that's something you that's something that happened in russia under the the evil dictator putin he wouldn't tolerate anybody being mooned fragile air hostess is being mooned on a plane so yeah that's well that's all we have to say about the war in vietnam the war in ukraine do you think it's going to happen what's going what's next Ah, uh, come on now. Come kick off. Looking for a crystal ball. We'll have to wait and see. But it's definitely, there could be some action. Yeah, but I think it'll, I think the whole vaunted or much talked about economic woes will probably come out of it in one way or another. You know? Yeah. Whatever happens to precipitate it, that's what, that's what will be the result. Um, I'm not expecting any, uh, certainly there's not going to be any hot war, I don't think, uh, you know, full on or whatever uh, between either Russia and Europe or Russia and uh, certainly not Europe like Europe doesn't have the capability doesn't have the doesn't have the uh, stomach for it basically yeah. and uh, and America just doesn't care that much prefer it to be an economic uh, 
crisis rather than anything military. Well, they, they can't win any kind of military conflict with Russia anyway, so and they're not willing to go there. It's it mutually assured destruction is, is, the, is the rule there, you know, so it has to be something other than that. Russia can do what it wants in Ukraine. It just has to decide whether it wants to do it or not. Yeah. What the empire is seeking is the quote-unquote justification to execute its financial stranglehold of Russia. Right. That's exactly. what we should look out for. Yeah. For sure, yeah. So, I will wrap it up there for this week. Uh, thanks for, for listening, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for chatting, if you indeed you chatted. I know Alejo uh, sent us a little message there. Uh, and it's true, he said he doesn't realize that the, that the, that the US was calling their own bluff uh, in relation to the, the swing towards Republicans. You know what I mean? By I think that's what it was in relation to. Realize they're calling their own bluff in relation to them. About the election, basically, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of exposing that for any rational person or a reasonable person, the election must have been dodgy yeah. if there can be su- have such a massive swing away from Biden over the first uh, over the first year of his yeah. of his administration. You know, yeah, yeah, very true. Um, so yeah, we'll be back. Um, like I said, thanks for watching, listening, all that stuff. Um, we'll be back next week with another update on whatever has been going on between now and then. Um, and there's the chat finally. We can finally see the chat. Um, yeah, what was I saying? We'll be back next week. More talking about whatever's been going on, more analysis, more figuring stuff out and giving you the proper picture of what's going on if you need it. Uh, so until then, uh, have a good week and see you later. See you later. Thanks for watching. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.